Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the Gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, about three days out of the week, I stay at a residence down in the city of Chicago. When I return from the office in those days, I'm obliged to get off the expressway at North Avenue. Now, Chicagoans know what I'm talking about, but North Avenue is a big um, uh, street that runs through uh, the city of Chicago. The red light at the bottom of the exit ramp is, is very long, and so usually I'm obliged to wait there for some time. Practically every time I find myself in that situation, there's a homeless man who is positioned down by the, the end of the exit ramp who comes toward the window of my car and begs for money. Now, usually, because I'm coming from my office, I'm wearing my Roman collar, and it makes the situation even more unpleasant. Now, I'll admit that sometimes I give the man, and there's, there's actually many different people that, that uh, work out of that, that position, uh, sometimes I'll give these people some money. But most of the time, to be honest, my window stays rolled up, and the excuses roll through my head. Well, he'll just use the money for drinks or drugs or something that will harm him. Why should I just hand him my hard-earned money? Why can't he get a job like everybody else? Always, always, he makes me feel uncomfortable. Largely because of our gospel for this week. The story of Lazarus and the rich man. And you know, the fact that it makes me uncomfortable is very good. This famous parable of Jesus is meant to bother us. Listen now, especially those who, I mean, let's face it, like most of us, who are relatively rich, relatively well-to-do. It's meant to get under our skin. It's meant to annoy us. It's like that irritant that compels the oyster to produce a beautiful pearl. Sometimes it's the irritant that gets into our soul and under our skin that produces something beautiful in us. Let's look at the story now and notice how artfully it's told. It's, it's so typical of St. Luke, who was a great literary artist. In a few lines, he's like Picasso, the way Picasso in just a few lines can just uh, suggest a, a figure. In a few lines, Luke sums up the rich man's character. Listen. Dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dining sumptuously each day. We'd say dressed in a Armani suit, dining at the finest restaurants every day, or being served at his home by, by butlers and servants every day. This man has all the goods of the world, but notice something interesting. He's never named. Once in a while, people talk about the parable of Lazarus and Dives. Well, Dives, Dives in, in Latin just means rich man, so it's not really his name. He's never named in the story. A name, you see, is a point of connection. 
A name is a means of making contact with somebody. How easily, I think Luke is telling us, wealth can isolate us from the world, walling us in or protecting us from contact with the world. And notice, please, how this unnamed rich man is utterly indifferent to the beggar who lies at his very doorstep. First of all, this is not someone that you can just breeze past in the car, as I so often do. But if Lazarus is right there on his doorstep, that means every time he leaves the house, every time he enters the house, he probably steps over him. Lazarus is clothed not in fine linen and purple, but in sores. He doesn't dine sumptuously every night. Rather, he starves. Rich man steps over him, probably finding him as unnerving and annoying as I find that man at North Avenue, and probably coming up with a lot of the same excuses that I come up with. Well, the poor man dies and is carried to Abraham's bosom. It's a lovely image, isn't it? In other words, he's taken in to the generous space that Abraham opens to him. Abraham's bosom means he's in the embrace of Abraham. What the rich man was never able to do, Abraham does. The rich man never reached out and included him in his embrace. That's what Abraham does. We hear then that the rich man dies and he's buried. Now, that's, that's not an unimportant detail. Because many poor people in the ancient world couldn't afford a burial. Rich people could. So even at the very end, he's surrounded by his wealth. But he finds himself now not in the bosom of Abraham, but in the nether world where he's in torment. Now, think of this, friends, as a torment that begins even now. What's being described here, I think, is the suffering that comes from isolation. We are meant to be connected to one another precisely through God. When we lock ourselves into the narrow space of the ego, we run counter to our own natures and accordingly we suffer. Now see, two friends, how it cuts both ways. If I am isolated from God, that almost immediately isolates me from everybody else. Because the more I'm in touch with God, the more I'm in touch with everyone that God loves. Or vice versa, the more I isolate myself from my fellow human beings, the more I'm isolated from God. Because the deeper connection to the world draws me into the creator of the world. The rich man is closed in, curvatus in se, in Augustine's great phrase, caved in on himself. And that's the torment that he's in. The rich man begs Abraham to send a warning to his brothers who remain alive. Abraham says rather coldly, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Now here's why I say it's kind of cold and why it should chill us a little bit. See, because we have Moses and the prophets too. Oh Lord, I had no idea that's what you expected of me, that I should care for my poor brothers and sisters. Come on, come on. 
we have Moses and the prophets too. In our first reading for today, we hear from one of the most powerful of the prophets, Amos. Amos, who consistently rails against the luxury of the rich and their indifference to the poor. Again and again, Amos and Hosea, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all the great prophets call us to a deep attentiveness to the poor. Remind us of the isolating danger of wealth. Are we listening to them? See, that's the challenge here. Oh, if only I knew. Come on, come on, we all know. The social teaching of the Catholic Church, something I feel very passionately about, is rooted ultimately in these biblical intuitions. I would identify the foundational insight of Catholic social teaching that God is the Lord of creation and hence the owner of all things. Let me say it again. The Creator God is the Lord of creation and therefore the owner of all things. Nothing finally belongs to any of us. We don't control it. God does. It's not our possession, finally. It's God's possession. We are indeed permitted, and and the Bible often uses this term, doesn't it? We're permitted to be the stewards of creation. But, but, the purpose of that stewardship is to cooperate with God's intentions. See, I, I would suggest to you, friends, it's a revolution in the way we think about our possessions once this sinks in. No, it's mine. I worked hard for it. I deserve it. I control it. Come on. Come on. Whatever capacity for hard work you have, whatever intelligence and creativity you have, that was a gift from God too. Don't tell them play that game of, no, no, I, I've got it. I earned it. Whatever you have is a gift from God. Therefore, you are the steward of, of creation. That's quite right. But not the, not the controller of it, not the dominator of it. Here's why Thomas Aquinas put it now in the Middle Ages. He said, we have a right to ownership of private property. But, but, in regard to the use of our private property, the common good must always be paramount. That's an extraordinary claim. Yeah, I can be a steward of part of God's creation. I can own property or money or whatever. But, How do I use what I own? I can't say that first and foremost, it's about what benefits me. No, no. In regard to its use, the common good, that means the good of the whole human family, must be paramount. Man, that's an extraordinary, deeply challenging observation. The more you let that sink in. Bill Gates and Rupert Murdoch and Warren Buffett might have accumulated through their skill, creativity, ingenuity, good luck, a good deal of the world's wealth. But finally, none of it is theirs. It's God's. Therefore, the question to ask is, why has God permitted me to have this wealth? I'll suggest your whole financial life will take a, a new turn if you ask the question that way. Why has God permitted me to have this wealth? What does God want me to do with this money he's allowed me to have? 
How does my wealth... See, I'm not down on wealthy people. You know, God allows certain people to become wealthy. But why? So that their wealth might serve God's purposes. Here's a story I might have shared with you before, but I, I just love to, to retell it. Uh, Cardinal George, my boss here in Chicago, was addressing a large group of donors under a great tent out at Wonderland Seminary. He thanked the good people profusely, and he reminded them that the poor need them to get out of poverty. So there it is. There is the responsibility of the rich is to, is to reach out to Lazarus on the doorstep. But then he added, and they, the rich, need the poor in order to get them out of hell. <laughs> See, it's, it's with this image very much in mind. What would get the rich man out of hell would be precisely his generous outreach to Lazarus at the gate. And perhaps in God's providence, that's why Lazarus was there, to give that rich man an opportunity to get out of the torment of self-isolation. Right. Good. Good. That's the challenge. Why is that man so consistently standing at the bottom of the exit ramp at North Avenue? Well, perhaps so I can find a way out of hell. Perhaps so I have the opportunity in reaching out to him to break free of my own tendency toward isolation. Maybe ask the question that way. Next time there's someone that you concretely can help. Why has God given me the wealth that I have? And why has God placed that person or those persons in a perhaps unnerving way right on my doorstep? Then I think the power of this parable will be felt in your life. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit Word on Fire dot org.